Hello, and welcome to this King Heroes Journey podcast. My name is Beth Martins, and I have the great pleasure of hosting the founder of the Art of Liberty, Etienne de la Boite, if I got that even close right, <laughs> today. And before I hand it off for him to introduce himself, I'll say that you're in the right place. If you're looking for King Heroes, if you're looking for strong men who are willing to take leadership, who are willing to say the unpopular thing and say it anyway because that's what needs to be said, then you are in the right place. This is beautiful for inspiring men to get into their kingly place. It's also beautiful for us women who like to see strong men out there taking leadership in the way that they do. So Etienne, welcome. Thank you so much for coming and joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, coming to you from an undisclosed location in Central America where I've been trapped by the engineered panic of COVID-19. And so everything is, is really nice and the, and the people are wonderful, but you know, the, it's, you know, my, and first I, I'd like to just start off and by giving everybody just a background on me. And so you mentioned Please I'm do. the founder of, yeah, you mentioned I'm the founder of the Art of Liberty Foundation, which is a, a voluntarist public policy organization where uh, we take a look at voluntary solutions to socio-political problems versus government solutions. And we do so from a voluntary standpoint. And for those in your audience who are not, uh, who, who are not um, familiar with voluntarism, it is the only ism that is fair for everyone in the sense that we, from the outset, say that government is illegitimate, it's immoral, it's illogical. If I don't have the ability to make up rules for you or take your money myself, then I can't delegate a right that I do not have myself to a representative or to a government. Uh, you can't really be bound by a social contract that you didn't sign. And so one of the things that we do is that we're exposing how intergenerational organized crime has been using government as a technique to rob and enslave the population. And in addition to being the founder of uh, the Art of Liberty Foundation, I'm also the author of uh, Government, the Biggest Scam in History, Exposed, where in a very kind of image and infographic and visualization uh, rich book, um, we are exposing the tools and the techniques that organized crime uses in partnership with the media throughout history to create really the culture of slavery and tax government school to believe that you're an American or a Canadian because you're on this side or that side of an imaginary line and get you to believe in your heart that it's legitimate that we order you around, it's legitimate that you pay us taxes, and it's legitimate that we do everything that we get to do. And so we're exposing the immorality of it, the illogical nature of it. And so that's, uh, and I do so in the book, and the book is backed up by a flash drive, uh, and, then the and then my foundation is looking at how do we uh, create voluntary solutions to some of these problems that are uh, imposed on us by government. Brilliant. And uh, just in case you didn't see me hold it up, I'm going to hold up the book now that I got. Uh, Etienne and I met recently in Mexico at a conference called Enarcapulco. So we were in extremely good company for those days of people who were, uh, whether by definition or just by lifestyle, are, are these more libertarian, voluntarist. Um, you know, most, for the most part, I was really pleased to see not your typical anarchists that are just like angry 
raging against the machine, but these were smart, uh, educated, entrepreneurial, powerful, not just men, men and women. You know, this was a, a highly educated group and I was extremely um, impressed, particularly with your talk. The facts and the details that you put out, the way you put out them, uh, and, and the response that you got, obviously the, the audience loved you. They were literally running after you after that interview. So I knew I wanted to have you on this show. What was it, was there a moment in your life that was kind of a turning point where you took this work on, where you knew that things were not going to go on business as usual, you had to take on this mission or this purpose? Yeah, so I, so I think, and I told the story in my speech at an Arcapulco, um, but, you know, when I, I, I was working in Washington, D.C. in public policy at a think tank, um, at a public policy institute, um, one of the big four think tanks in D.C. And at the time, uh, this was in like 1996, I had access to a $3,000 a month LexisNexis terminal. And LexisNexis was kind of the internet before the internet. They had kind of digitized every newspaper on the planet, every transcript of every television show. And it was, it was an amazing kind of piece of, uh, of, of a capability back then. And I realized that the, the uh, story that was coming out of Oklahoma City about a terrorist, an alleged ter uh, domestic terrorism incident where uh, uh, someone named Tim McVeigh allegedly blew up the Murrah building, the Murrah Federal building in Oklahoma City. Um, uh, because I had this LexisNexis terminal and because I had access to uh, internet connection when other people didn't, um, I began kind of researching it and realizing that the story that the national news was telling about what happened in Oklahoma was very different than what the, the local news was reporting. And also I watched, you know, if anybody remembers kind of the official story, there's this lone wolf supremacist militia member, Tim McVeigh, and he alone, you know, drove a rider truck up to the Oklahoma City Murrah Federal Building and, uh, and himself alone detonated it. And um, that story, uh, uh, um, didn't hold up to what that 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 story kind of fell apart when on that day of the bombing every single uh network news every single regional um uh television station the the local news was all reporting that multiple bombs were found in the building that the uh you could see the bomb uh bomb squad truck being being uh you know wheeled up to the building and then, you know, taking the bombs away, you could see the, you know, they, 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 the government admits they evacuated the building because there were other bombs. They left people trapped in the rubble while they did so. So it was obviously a very kind of, you know, real threat. And then the next day, I watched that disappear right off of the, the uh, like right off of the news, like it never happened, even though the governor had had a press conference and that the first responders had a press conference. And, you know, every channel was reporting that it was the first time I, I watched something just be absolutely stripped out of the news and never discussed again, even though it was, you know, a really important piece of evidence. And that's when I realized, began to realize that the media and the government were working together to hide certain information, to magnify other information. And that really, uh, that, that event got me to begin uh, investigating how, like I mentioned, intergenerational organized crime 
is using government to rob and loot the public, the, the public and menacing us with engineered domestic terrorism, engineered foreign wars, engineered international terrorism, and you know, trying to drive the population to you know, clamor for the security of government when government is hyping up the fear, this COVID-19 is a perfect example, but that event of, of watching, uh, of, of kind of realizing that, uh, that the government was behind the 1996 or the 1993 bombing of the Oklahoma uh, Federal Building, that was the thing that got me uh, paying attention. And that's when I realized I had, to, I had to do everything in my power to try and bring this criminality to light. Wow, wow. So even uh, I'll say normal leaders' life is stressful. There's a lot of responsibility. The people that you are uh, looking after, or you're responsible for, they're asking you for stuff. Now, your, your work even more so, and I, I know some of those stories I'm going to get you to tell if, if you could too. How do you mm-hmm. handle that stress? What do you do to get through it on a day-to-day basis? I am a yogi. I'm a, a, a hot yogi, a practitioner of, of yoga, hot yoga. Uh, I meditate. I try and keep um, my mind free from any kind of you know negative thoughts. And I just, I know that the universe bends towards justice. And what I found in my own life is as long as I'm doing good and helping people and, and trying to fight the good fight, but the universe doesn't just open up or the universe kicks it in. And so um, I, you know, I believe um, sometimes I call it God, sometimes I call it the universe, but I believe that I'm being protected in my mission um, uh, because the universe tends towards justice. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I love that. I went to India eight times, by the way, you probably don't know that about me. So I'm a huge fan of yoga and meditation and those arts that, uh, they just, you know, I, I was sitting last night and I've built up some pretty good stress by the end of the night. And I'm like, okay, Beth, turn off the electronics, walk away from your phone, even though it was really difficult to do. And I just sat quiet and then, you know, 30, 40 minutes went by and boom, I knew exactly what to do to relieve that stress. There was an action that needed to happen and I was able to take it in the middle of the night. And it was just like, whew, right? So perfect. Otherwise, if I stayed in that for, you know, fear mode, I would not have been able to come to that clarity just at exactly the right moment. So that was a very cool demonstration. Was there ever a time when, first, first of all, I want to ask you, what makes it worth it for you to go through all this stress, even though you have really good coping skills with your meditation and yoga? I've seen how government hurts people. I've seen how government, you know, the kind of the focus of my book is is how, you know, this intergenerational organized crime system uses um, a pseudo religion of statism to create to slide the public a religion, and that religion is it's the the name for it is statism, and it's the belief in the desirability, the legitimacy, and the necessity of having a government. And, and they're sliding it to the, to the population using all of the same kind of unethically manipulative tools and techniques of a cult or a, uh, um, a harmful religion. Uh, they're forcing people into a government school. They're teaching pe- children 
to say the common prayer of the Pledge of Allegiance thousands and thousands of times before they're old enough to, to know what it means. They're putting them in, in youth programs that are the kind of the equivalent of the Hitler Youth or the Soviet uh, small where the children are given awards for how to, you know, display your patriotism and salute the flag and caress the flag and fold the flag. And the flag is holy. And when the flag gets old, we don't throw the flag away. We have to bury the flag. And, and they take the kids to Washington, D.C., to Mecca, and they take them into the cathedral of the capital that looks like the Vatican for a reason. They take them into the temples. They show them the deities. When you go to court, the judge is wearing a vestment. He's sitting upon on high. They're using these unequally manipulative techniques to weave a religion into the public's mind. And that religion for many is a cult. And I have friends and family that I love very, very much. And I've watched the cult separate me from them. And I've watched the cult um, uh, um, force their vaccines on friends and family. And, and one day I just, I got to the end of my, the, I, I just said that I'm, I don't want this to happen to anybody else. And I just, whatever reason, I just got mad enough that I said, I'm not stand for this anymore and I'm going to do something about it and I'm going to expose it. And since then I've been putting, you know, a lot of my energy into exposing it in ways that, uh, that make, you know, something really, really complicated, um, make it, uh, easy to understand and easy for, for average people to understand and digest. That's brilliant. Yeah. So that's a sign of true purpose that you're following there, that's uh, just the, the very fact of righting those wrongs and being an instrument of that justice brings you the satisfaction that it's worth it to, to go through. Was there ever a time when you mm-hmm. crashed of it, you fell down, usually it's a relationship or an actual car crash or the health or something like that goes down. Was there a time when things were blown to smithereens and you, had to get through that challenge to the other side, maybe start over? Oh, I've been blown to smithereens numerous times uh, in my life. Uh, And so, uh, uh, yeah, so I I think the the one great thing about human beings is they have the ability for constant and never ending improvement. And no matter how bad things, you know, get, uh, they're always going to get better. And so, uh, you know, I've always been an optimist. And so uh, even when I've, you know, whenever, whenever I've fallen or whenever I've been knocked down, I've always gotten back up. And so, um, and I try and teach that to my, you know, to my kids that, that, you know, even if you fall off the horse, you've got to get back up. And it's not the fact that you fell off the horse that, you know, it's the, that you're going to do it again. And so that's, that's a message that I, that's, that somebody instilled in me and then, and it evidently stuck and I try and instill it in my sons. That's brilliant. I absolutely adhere to that. I was, uh, I don't know if you know already, but I'm a cancer survivor. I nearly died of cancer when I was 29. Uh, I faced big losses. I lost everything uh, that I owned at that time. I was nearly losing my life. Uh, My adult life has been, you know, I've lost both of my parents recently. And uh, so it's something I, I love that. It's like basically expect it, right? Go through life and and don't try to shield yourself. I'm paraphrasing here, but don't try to shield yourself mm-hmm. 
from losses because they are inevitable. How did you get to the other side? If you, if you think of one example, what, what was the mechanism to get to the other side of the challenge? Um, I don't know if I can give a good answer to that. I can just tell you that, that I've remained overwhelmingly positive or I've tried to remain overwhelmingly positive. There's a, in almost every situation. And there's a great cartoon that I have and it, it shows a guy and he's got a jar full of happiness. And, and the jar says, you know, it literally says happiness and you can see happiness like inside the jar. And there's another uh, little cartoon character and, and he, it looks at the guy holding the happiness and says, oh, that's awesome. Where did you get it? And the guy with the jar goes, I made it myself. <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. And so that's yeah. my kind of attitude towards life. No matter what you, you know, what you, what you're, th no matter what life throws at you, if you know it's going to be better, if you know you're going to be all right, if you know that if you, if you jump, the universe is going to catch you, then, uh, then why, you know, why be in a negative mood? And so I try and, and I don't, I fall down all the time and sometimes I get angry and sometimes I get frustrated but for the most part, most people that know me would probably tell you that I'm overwhelmingly pos positive. And, and I think part of that is just, you know, watching the universe, you know, help me along, my, along the path, knowing that it's always got my back. And so that, that's been, um, that's been uh, something that I think has is, is helped me maintain, uh, you know, uh, uh, the positivity. And I'm a big, huge believer in karma. And so one of the things that I didn't get early on in my life that I got, you know, much later in life is that, that we are all connected. We are all brothers and sisters and daughters and sons. And, uh, and that if you harm the universe, um, you, there is no getting away with anything. There is no, you know, you don't, you don't ever get away with anything. Um, you will pay the price in karma. Um, and sometimes it will happen immediately and sometimes it will happen later on when you're least expecting it. Uh, but, um, if you're doing bad things, the universe is going to smack you upside the head. And the flip side of that is if you're going, doing good things, then like I said, the universe doesn't just open every door, it kicks it in and you, and I have crazy synchronicities where, um, where yeah, just, just impossible things happen you know, and I, and I attribute that to, to trying to be a force for good in the world. That's so beautiful. There, I call them divine breadcrumbs. You just start following synchronicities and, uh, yes, there, there's, there's such a thrill that makes it worth it for me personally to go through a day full of synchronicities, whether it's, you know, good or bad or ugly going on around there that, uh, it's, it's just so clearly life-giving and, and affirming and, and driven by that divine spark behind all of this. So that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. What is your take on what's going on right now? I know that uh, everybody is guessing you've got 100 stories going, even in the mainstream, you've got the other 100 happening in the alternative realm. People are, of course, guessing in and uh, getting into conjecture about what's actually happening. I would love to hear your analysis of the whole situation. Uh, because I've been trapped in Central America, I haven't, and I've been literally kind of getting myself uh, prepped up to survive a potential collapse here. I've not been doing any media, and I've really wanted to talk about this publicly. 
And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do this because I don't think that COVID-19 has anything to do with COVID-19. I think COVID-19 has to do with the U.S. not being able to fund the treasury market. And for those that don't really understand the treasury market, I'm an ex-Wall Street guy. Uh, the government has to fund over a trillion dollars a year in deficit spending. And this deficit spending is being stolen from the American people. It is being handed to military industrial companies and no bid contracts for wars we don't need to fight based on manufactured intelligence and lies. It's being handed to banks through the TARP, the TALF, and the, you know, other quote unquote bailouts. Um, it's being, uh, it's being uh, the Pentagon can't account for, you know, between 10 and $20 trillion out of their, you know, their budgets. And every year they say, oh, our computers still don't talk to each other. It's like decades later and they just can't make the computers talk to each other. Uh, Social Security, there's a, uh, there is a filing cabinet in, West, in, in uh, Social Security office in West Virginia where they've been stealing the money out of the Social Security lockbox and trust fund, and they've been uh, handing it out the back door to their cronies in, uh, in uh, you know, uh, crony capitalist, uh, crooked uh, monopoly companies and um, uh, agents and allies on Wall Street. And so that level of deficit spending has now become impossible for them to legitimately finance in the credit markets. And I think that this has been going on for a long time. We've seen what appear to be uh, straw purchases of uh, treasuries coming out of the Caribbean, coming out of, um, oh, was it, I forgot, it was, it was a Scandinavian country a couple of years back. But um, I think that they knew that that day, that the day that the game is up and they can't finance the deficit, whether or not they, they can't finance the deficit legitimately, or they're, they've been engaged in the speaking to destroy the dollar in a plan to cover the theft of trillions. Um, because if, you're, if you've robbed the bank and the posse is saddling up to come after you, do you want the posse to be safe and secure and well capitalized? Or do you want them dead broke living in a militarized police state? And so about a month and a half ago, and I meant to have a timeline for this, and I just got, I've been just covered up uh, you know, on the ground, but about a month and a half ago, uh, it came out publicly uh, on Zero Hedge and other financial uh, newsletters and blogs that the Treasury, which is, or sorry, the Fed, which is prohibited from buying uh, Treasury notes, bills, or bonds at auction, at the, at the auctions run by the 24 primary dealers. Um, so they weren't buying them at the auction, they were buying them two days later which is essentially pure monetization of the debt, and it is the absolute sign of a banana republic. And so that was about a month and a half ago. So now the treasury auctions would have been, fa you know, would have been failing if the primary dealer hadn't bought the treasuries themselves, held on to them for two days, and then sold them to the Fed. The uh, last week when the Fed pulled out its $1.5 trillion bazooka, um, there was a 30-year auction that absolutely would have, I, I believe, would have failed, and other financial commentators are talking about that as well. Uh, the the um, the spread between you know one two you know short-term 
uh, notes and 30-year treasuries has now gotten so small that there's no incentive for anybody to loan that the crooked organized crime federal government their money for 30 years when they can get almost the same uh, return off a much shorter duration uh, instrument. And um, I would argue that you'd have to be insane to loan the federal government uh, anything because it's organized crime nature is now kind of absolutely apparent and to anybody paying attention. Now Washington DC, even the press, the mainstream media, they've invented this term called deep state uh, which is a per what I believe is a purposefully unhelpful, purposefully undescriptive term. But if you swap out organized crime for deep state, oh, well, then everything fits together. That makes everything kind of, uh, that's why we have fake news. That's why the Pentagon can't account for, you know, 10 to $20 trillion. That's why post office supposedly lost $58 billion. That's why Amtrak supposedly lost a billion on food and beverage alone when buying sodas for a quarter and selling them for a dollar and buying the microwavable hamburger that you get at 7-Eleven for a buck and selling it on the train for eight bucks, but they lost a billion dollars. What, you mean the train goes out without, with a uh, hundred, you know, a thousand dollars worth of food and it, it's coming back empty every time? It's, 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 it's ludicrous. And, and so, so anybody with two neurons rubbed together has figured out that the government is completely untrustworthy, run by organized crime. Now you've got this money laundering casino owner that they've propped up to be a billionaire that they have because they have him by his loans and, you know, by, they've got him by his loans, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so he's pretending to be, uh, you know, working for the people when the bankers have him by the short ones. And so, so for whatever reason, I, what I believe is they knew that this day was coming and that virus has, is the third party of it, because they're not going to blame the collapse of the dollar on, we stole all the value out of the money by allowing banks to create endless dollars using a crooked process called fractional reserve banking that we quote unquote, made legal in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act. Uh, no, no, it's going to be blamed on some kind of third party event that allows them to uh, enact martial law, allows them to keep people from protesting or even getting together on the streets to discuss what's really going on with friends, family and neighbors, keeps everybody in a low vibrational state of fear. Uh, allows them to censor the internet, which they've already begun doing. TikTok, Facebook only are reporting the government's organized version of what's going on with the 19. Uh, and so, so I'm not worried about, I'm worried about a collapse of the dollar because organized crime has stolen the value out of it and have racked up on the, you know, on the, the taxpayer's credit card you know, $23 trillion in debt that we're paying interest on. And depending on who you ask, between 50 and $200 trillion of unfunded liabilities. So unfunded liabilities, Social Security or Medicare, Medicaid mandates where you're paying in, they owe you the money. They're not paying you the money yet. They haven't borrowed the money to pay you yet. Uh, but what they're doing is, uh, is, but they owe it. And so now, um, 
I think we're at the end of the financial sh Wall Street's financial shenanigans and that this virus is being used to mask a collapse of the dollar and allow them to enact martial law. And, uh, and in a worst case scenario, and we can't put it past them, inject the public with a mandatory vaccine that is the real heavy duty bioweapon. This has obviously been engineered. They were caught engineering uh, a pandemic uh, you know, I forgot the, the exact year, but I, I was paying attention when um, uh, Baxter International was caught shipping a weaponized version of avian flu. So Baxter International is a pharmaceutical company involved in vaccines that makes a flu base. And several years ago, the, they shipped this flu base all over the world and they ship it to factories that then produce the seasonal flus. Uh, seasonal flu vaccines, you know, in different regions around the world. And uh, a couple years ago, uh, they shipped out some flu base and the, the factories that they work with have quality control products and they tested them on lab animals and the lab, lab animals died. And when they autopsied them, they found out that not only did they have avian flu, but the vaccine that the uh, flu base that they'd sent, been sent by Baxter wasn't irradiated. And so they FedEx this out simultaneously to labs all over the world. And I, as, as anybody with two neurons to rub together can tell, no, you know, you don't just have live avian flu sitting around your, you know, production facility and somebody just knocked it over into a vat and now that's how we got avian flu in. Um, and also the fact that it wasn't irradiated as was the usual and customary procedure that these, these two completely improbable events could occur simultaneously in multiple batches sent simultaneously around the world. Um, I turned to a friend of mine and I said, you watch, there's going to be a pandemic in the next couple of months. And three months later, uh, it wasn't avian flu, it was swine flu. And they bought billions of dollars of vaccines and Baxter profited from that. And they forced them on the population and kids got sick and, and everybody made money. The taxpayer got ripped off. And so I've seen them, watch them engineer uh, uh, pandemics before and what kind of looked like, a, you know, like a, a, a trial run. And so you can, you can just tell anybody that understands the media full scale on media, full court press across every publication when there weren't even a couple of dozen deaths. And when I found that the Bill Gates Foundation and John Hopkins and the World Economic Forum had war game this in something called Event 201 about six months ago, about exactly six months before this happened, they did a tabletop exercise where they essentially simulated the whole thing so they knew how this was going to unfold because they're making this unfold. They're making this happen. And again, I think they're trying to destroy the economy. I think they're trying to knock all the pieces off the table because the American people are waking up to this. They don't believe the government anymore. They don't believe the mainstream media anymore. They're losing control of the narrative. People don't trust them. And so now they've got their shave-headed cult members that they put through this program forcing people into their homes so they can't talk with their friends and neighbors and limiting public gatherings. And, and, um, and it appears they're driving people into panic, into distress so that the government can be the savior. And the government is great at breaking your leg and then going, Hey, I've got a crutch for you. And so um, uh, I'm absolutely distrustful about this event. Um, I encourage people not to listen to anything the government says. The CDC says the CDC is completely untrustworthy. 
Um, there, I do believe there is, uh, you know, a virus, and you got to watch out for it. But, you know, ninety-eight percent of people are going to be fine. You know, if you have a healthy immune system, if you get getting plenty of vitamin D, if you're not, you know, eating sugar, drinking alcohol, destroying your your body, you're going to be just fine. Um, the real thing you got to worry about is the treasury market and what happens if you can't buy food in the grocery store with your worthless government monopoly money that they've stolen all the value out of. Right. Oh, wow. That's uh, quite a summary that you've made there. The thing that stuck out at me was how they called it a pandemic before there were any numbers to prove it. And the numbers don't even prove it now. They're not reflecting. Like yeah. when you when you compare the different diseases, there are way more deaths to even a regular flu, never mind this one. And I, you know, I could in principle agree to saying, okay, we're preventing a pandemic, but no, the narrative is like we're in the midst of a pandemic. And it's it's like, no, we're not. Now, unfortunately, there are areas like Italy. What do you think is going on in Italy? Because that's a totally different scenario. So I don't know about Italy, but here in Central America, and I'm, you know, I'm reporting from an undisclosed country because I don't need the, the, the government coming down on me where, where I don't have the you know, same fantasy project protections that I have in the United States. But the government here is making, I'll tell you, the government here is making it worse. Uh, they've closed all the restaurants. They've closed all the shops. They're forbidding people to get together. They've, 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 tr they've closed the borders terrestrially. They've closed the borders aerially. And so the, uh, the, in the little town that I'm in right now, you know, probably 10% to 20% of the town was tourism dependent. And they, they've laid off hundreds of people, according to one kind of local business manager that I was talking to today, you know, up to 200 people. And then that's going to kind of accelerate as the, you know, as those, as, as those jobs and that spending power impacts uh, other small businesses, restaurants, food dealers, things like that. And so all I see is the government making it worse. Um, it seems like in countries like Italy, where they really do have kind of true fascist governments, uh, those fascist governments are the ones that are stoking up the fear. And I think that the, you know, the more crooked the government, the more likely they are to be on board with this you know, United States program, because it's, it's not government versus government, it's the, it's the governments of the world versus the people. And so as the world wakes up to the fact that they've been scammed, that they've been chumped, that they've been given this kind of artificial religion in the mandatory government school, and it's not legitimate that they rule you. It's that they've been robbing you. They're taking half your income if you include, you know, overt taxes and the covert taxes and the inflation. If you really, really add it up, and the gas tax and the cell phone tax and the cable TV tax and the, you know, every time you uh, buy an airline, I bought an airline ticket to London a couple of years ago. It was a twelve hundred dollar ticket and eight hundred dollars was taxes. $400 was a ticket and $800 was taxes and airline fees and things like that. And so when the people of the world realize that they've been robbed, not just robbed, but frankly, I mean, they got chomped. I mean, if you see the people goose-stepping and wearing costumes and badges and, and, and imagining that they have rights that other people don't, and you realize how, you know, kind of sick and twisted it is to make human beings, you know, goose-step and, 
and do the kind of degrading things they do to recruits in the military or to police officers to, you know, and, and, and the youth programs. I mean, I, you know, people are going to be mad. And so it's the governments against the people. And so what I'm, what I'm watching right now, you know, across the world is that these governments, I think they know what's going down. I think they're all in on it at some level. Not every single person that works in the government is absolutely compartmentalized. But at the top, and the more tyrannical, the more fascist like Italy that you, that you get, the worse, the more corrupt the government, the more likely they are to go along with it and manufacture. I, I definitely believe some of these, these numbers are being manufactured. I think that they're lying about the, the uh, accuracy of the tests. I think they're lying about the number, what people actually died about. Did they die of COVID-19 or did they die of, you know, some other immune compromised, uh, you know, uh, opportunistic infection or pneumonia or like whatever it is. And so I think they're stoking it up to achieve kind of maximum panic and maximum fear because when people are in fear, they're not thinking clearly. They're not going to evaluate the reality of their situation. They're going to clamor to the you know to daddy mommy government that they've been trained to think of as like a god if you ask most people well, who's gonna help you in your own age the government who's gonna you know help who's gonna educate the kids the government i mean people really do you know because they've been trained to you know view government as a god and now they're finding out that not only is it not god it's it was a scheme and a scam and that they've been chumped and so uh um I think more and more, at least I know, more and more people are waking up to this every single day. And that, that global revolution of consciousness is only going in one direction because once you realize it's a scam, once you realize it's illogical and immoral and, it's, and it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if the mob wants to, you know, democracy is, is you know, it doesn't matter if the mob wants to lynch black people or rob Peter to pay Paul just because the majority wants to rob Peter to pay Paul or lynch black people, that just because the majority wants to do it doesn't make something that's inherently immoral moral. And, uh, and so, Pete, you know, once you figure that out, nobody goes back to wearing a tin badge and a costume that identifies them as a chump and an immoral order follower that's willing to put their conscience aside and enforce the edicts of this organized crime system using this cult, you know, literally classic textbook cult indoctrination techniques, unethically manipulative cult indoctrination techniques through the propaganda, through the mandatory schools on an unsuspecting public. But once you realize it, you know, I, very few people ever go back to getting fooled again. And that's where we're at. And so, I don't know if it was the treasury market alone. I don't know if they accelerated the theft of the system because they knew that there's, you know, that X amount of people are, are waking up on the planet and it's going exponential. But whatever reason, they appear to be, you know, trying to, uh, to collapse this economy. And so we're, I'm down here in Central America trying to help the locals right now rebuild it and get food security and do it in a voluntary way without government force to, to prove that the market and that charity and real charity uh, can, can help the people much better than the false god of immoral, illogical government. Wow, well said, well said. Uh, there was uh, two things in, in that that I just was up late as I have been every single night, my brain is going like trying to make sense of all this as usual. 
and everything that you have put forward, it, it is the sense behind the senselessness. The, the one really interesting feature was that the numbers were so low and guess who publishes the numbers, right? The same people who are creating the narrative of pandemic are also publishing the numbers. So I thought that was really interesting that they had this thing going on, right? And like, what, what is the intention behind that? Is it, is it just, it, was it to test people to see if they are, they will follow a hundred percent the narrative and ignore the numbers? Most people that don't understand what's going on and still trust the mainstream media, um, if it comes over the tell a vision uh, or the tell live vision, uh, most people treat it as gospel. Uh, they can't figure, they haven't figured out that politics is just a television show, kind of like a reality show that the, that the, they own both, you know, the, the, the people that, that own the Republicans also own the Democrats, and that it's like a worldwide wrestling match where both the Republicans and the Democrats, they're completely aligned on everything that matters to the organized crime system. 100% aligned on 50% of your income going to the government so they can redistribute it. They're 100% aligned on a private bank, the Federal Reserve, uh, backstopping money center banks to engage in uh, fractional reserve banking, even though it's inflationary and stealing the value out of your money. They're 100% okay with banks stealing your money, the value out of your money. They're 100%, you know, aligned on the war on terrorism. They're 100% aligned on, on wiretapping the entire population and the Patriot Act. And they were 100% aligned on the TARP and the TALF and the bailouts, even though 90% of the American people were against it, they went and did it anyway. And so they're 100% aligned on every Everything that's ripping you, like ripping you off and taking your money, um, they just fight about these football issues that have been designed to divide and conquer the American people by getting them, uh, you know, arguing with each other, black, white, men, women, um, uh, Mexican Americans, uh, um, uh, uh, black Americans, um, you name group, they're running divide and conquer on the American people and splitting the population into these two large demographics, Republican and Democrat, and then playing them off each other in a kind of worldwide wrestling. They've been doing that for decades. And it's, it's, it's hard for people that have grown up watching this, you know, like really believing the television, really believing the media. Uh, it's hard for them to, to you know, wrap their minds around how badly they've been chumped. And I hate to break it to people. I say it with love, but it's just got to stop. We've got to, you know, kind of expose it, expose who's behind it. And that's what the book, uh, Government, the Biggest Scam in History Exposed, is doing. And that's what I'm trying to do with the Art of Liberty Foundation. Uh, because once somebody wakes up to it, this revolution's only going in one direction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Beautiful. The other thing that I wanted to bring up was the myth of majority rule. I just saw a, a video on exactly that. And you know, we're all in acceptance of this. As long as most of the people, 51%, which is not even really most at all, agree to a certain thing, then it's considered to be right and it's implemented. Well, if 51% of the population believes in murder and killing and maiming and disabling then, then that goes forward as, as something that's acceptable in society. 
And do you want to talk just a little bit about that, how, how to show people that majority rule really means nothing? Yeah, you know, everybody's for majority rule until I get them in a group uh, of three with one other person that's voting with me and we vote to take all their money. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, no, that's not cool. No, no, that's wrong. <laughs> and then all of a sudden democracy uh, doesn't have the same shine that it was given in the mandatory government school. The mandatory government school lied to the population and told them that something that was inherently moral inherently immoral was moral because they're just we'll throw up an election and we'll trick the people into thinking that they're in charge by giving them the vote even though we control the outcome of the elections through a disparity of campaign funds through control of the media control of the political parties through um uh, breaking the legs of third parties at the, you know, at the starting line. So in a, when I was when I was young, I ran a national third party political campaign, and I realized you can't compete against the two major parties. Your legs, as a, we were, I was a Libertarian Party uh, campaign, your legs are broken at the starting line by the uh, uh, requirements. For, to get on ballots in every state and the cost involved in getting on the ballot in every state. The Republicans, Democrats take matching funds, libertarians don't. Uh, they give themselves the ability to send millions, tens of millions of dollars of free mail a year on your nickel to promote the status quo. Uh, they have their own television studios in the, the House and the Senate office buildings. And they've got, you know, staffs to get themselves reelected and, um, uh, it, and, and, most really intelligent people of means aren't going to go up against them and run an honest campaign because they know it's organized crime and they don't want to get murdered or killed or have their family threatened like Ross Perot did. And so, so you know, um, uh, if you, I, democracy was a scam. It was a scam that taught people that something inherently immoral was moral because the people that taught them that were using their belief in that to rob them of half their income. And if you think that your little vote really counts against black box, unauditable black box voting machines and the disparity of campaign funds that you're up against, it's, you know, you're, you're delusional, uh, you know, and I, I can't stress that enough. Um, so what's the alternative? Voluntarism. And so I don't want to be like, this has been all, you know, kind of crazy and, and somewhat negative. Um, but I want to bring it back really to, you know, to the positivity of what my message is, is that we don't need government. That's the big secret that's been hidden from the American people and the people of the world is that the, that the world produces spontaneous order and that everything that the government does from uh, uh, armed protective services to dispute resolution, air traffic control can either can be privatized or likely shouldn't be done at all. And so if you take a look at all of the isms, socialism, democratic republicanism, um, communism, all of those isms, there's a ruling class that gets to engage in violence against the rest of society. 
the only ism that doesn't allow that to happen, the only ism that's fair for all is volunteerism. And volunteerism is the idea that the world is a self-organizing play that produces spontaneous order and that everything that the government can provide can be provided by the private market. Um, Canada privatized their air traffic control as an example. You wouldn't have monopoly police that believe they have rights that you don't and they can arrest you for victimless crimes. You would have protective agencies, ADT, West Tech. They provide armed response today. They can provide armed response in a competitive marketplace. But when they arrive, they only have the right that you have. They have the right to protect your life, liberty, and property. But because you don't have the right to tell your your neighbor not to gamble or tell your neighbor not to smoke this kind of plant or that kind of plant or take this drug or that drug or, or all the other things that the monopoly police will uh, uh, arrest you for, even though there's no victim, even though it, these are consensual, quote, it's not even a crime. I mean, a crime by definition has to have a perpetrator and a victim. You can call it a crime, uh, um, but it's not. And so uh, all the things that, they, that the monopoly police claim, well, you don't see private security guards doing that. And so what would a world look like without government? Well, there'd still be armed protective services, there'd still be roads, uh, except you would pay a lot less for them because there wouldn't be a middleman and you would be spending your own money versus having your money stolen from you and spent on your behalf, whether that spent on your behalf is for charity or you know, you know whatever they're, stealing and spending your money, it would eliminate war. Um, uh, you know, nobody wants to, uh, you know, nobody, people want to invade and take over other countries so they can get the people within those countries paying taxes to them instead of their own government. Well, if everybody in the United States figures out the hoax that it's illegitimate to have government and is not going to support government the same way that they're not going to vote Santa Claus as their leader or, you know, some other imaginary figment of their imagination, once people realize, uh, once people realize that, um, there's no incentive to take over the country because they're not going to pay the taxes. But as long as the population has the mentality of tax slaves, and you know, just like the Vichy French when the Nazis rolled in, they're like, oh, I guess we've got to pay, you know, our taxes to the Nazis now. You know, um, what I'm exposing the population is no. You don't owe the Nazis or the Vichy French or the the pre-Vichy French government of France any money. It's just a scam. It's just organized crime running, you know, game on the population. And so that message the, of, of really understanding in your heart that complete illegitimacy and the complete, complete illogical nature of government, once you once you let that go, there's a freedom there that is is amazing now you kind of understand the world the way that it really is now everything you know makes sense like i said you can take out the word deep state which has been designed to be purposefully unhelpful and purposefully you know the police and the fbi and the secret service they can't do anything about the deep state there's no department of doing something about the deep state in american law enforcement but 
when you point out to them, as I've done with the social, the Secret Service, and and uh, my when I lived in Virginia, the local uh, you know local police and the local community that this is organized crime. They're living off money stolen from you at the point of a gun. They're you know they're forcing you into their cages for victimless crimes. They're ruling over you. They're forcing your kids into their school where they run these unethically manipulative you know tools and tricks on them. And use all kinds of heinous, you know, corporal punishment, collective punishment, public shaming, you know, red, yellow, uh, green troublemaker boards, you know, ROTC, you know, explorers shaving the kids' heads, putting them into the uniform, teaching them to do step. This is creepy. And once you realize how creepy it is, then most people they give it up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, so much in there. Oh my God. Uh, I just like to address that I work with archetypes in my business and to me, they are the, that spontaneous order. I'm going to use that phrase from now on that spontaneous order. That's already inherent that we don't have to create. You just have to look for it and not very hard either. Right. And that is, if I start segueing to a, another topic here, that is the, um, you know, it's available to us. That order is something that you can tap into and follow and, and, essentially work with nature because that is my not so hidden agenda. I want to see in my lifetime, and I may see it sooner than I expected, what would a human being be like if we didn't have the artificial constraints and slavery system that we're in right now? What would they do? How would they show up for each other when they had the, the choice to do that? Um, now that, that order is one that's definitely if you, if you look at the masculine and the feminine archetypes, it's the masculine, right? It has that, that structure. It is uh, embodied compared to the feminine that is just wild energy going in every direction. And they work so beautifully together. How do you see the state of men and women on this earth right now playing into these kind of you know, things that are going on nefarious behind the scenes and and in terms of solutions, how do you see the masculine and the feminine playing out? You know, I mean, unfortunately, um, I see a lot of really good women, you know, getting chumped by the state, where the state is using the same way that the slave owner would, you know, in, in, in kind of in the times of chattel slavery, uh, you know, knew that if you got the women, the women would control the men, and so they would, they would, they would take the strong leader women. They would let them be the house slaves. They would give them, you know, some privileges, and then they were the women would keep the men in line to keep their position in the, you know, the little bit better slavery than everybody else. Uh, uh, and so these are ancient techniques. And so what I see is I see the government playing men against women, uh, playing men off against women by giving women uh, the advantage in court by forcing men to pay, you know, forcing men to pay uh, exorbitant um, uh, alimony, exor you know, like, like they're, they, you know, if, if men and women want to get married and have a contract between them, that's great, but being forced into the, like the state's contract destroys marriage for many people. The allure of marriage, what would have been, you know, good marriages, uh, the the state becomes the, the surrogate parent uh, that is going to provide. You know, so it's you know, in many cases, uh, it's in the woman's. You know, especially in, 
well, mostly lower income areas, it's in the woman's financial interest not to have a husband because she's going to get more money by not having a husband. If she has a baby uh, out of wedlock, she's, you know, if you're living in your parents' house and you're sick of it and you want to get a check from the government, all you have to do is have a child out of wedlock. And so there's all of these unintended consequences of government programs that hurt the relationship between men and women and make women um, uh, dependent upon the government because the government has, you know, using uh, economic warfare and confiscatory taxation, state taxes has really robbed the people of the security that they should have. I mean, absent this organized crime system, we'd all be rich, crazy, crazy, crazy wealthy. If they just weren't, forget the 50% of your income in overt taxes and covert taxes, all the little hidden taxes. If they just weren't stealing the value out of your money, we'd all be filthy, stinking rich. But if they're stealing the value out of your money, instead of your dollar buying more every single year, because productivity improvements and innovations reduce the costs of, of producing the luxuries and necessities of life, um, if you, we would all be crazy, crazy wealthy with more than enough excess to be able to handle you know, all of the, the problems of society voluntarily with real charity that's targeted, you know, exactly where it's needed without the unintended consequences of government programs that split up homes and, and, and you know, and force the man out and, and uh, make, you know, make real partnerships between men and women impossible. Um, I think that absent the system, uh, men and women would be way, way more united instead of divided because, so often the woman is dependent upon her new husband, the government. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That, uh, that, that narrative has been ongoing. You don't need a man. You're, you're strong. You're powerful. You, you should be the leader. And then men saying, yeah, I don't need a woman because they're trouble and they're going to call me a rapist someday. And I can get my needs met other ways, unfortunately. So it's not, uh, it's not conducive to the family. The children are being left to single parents, which is especially in the economic conditions we've lived under is hellish. Even for a, a relatively well-off single parent, it's still hellish and unnatural. The worst part of it that I've seen in my own life is that the, the child doesn't actually have parental authority because as soon as the one parent says, no, you can't do that, they have the ability to just go off. Uh, I had my son, I was overhearing a conversation my son was having with his friend and, and he, my son says, oh, my mom says I have to do this. And that kid says, you know, you don't have to do anything your mom says, right? Because he's got the whole system down. And uh, so it's... You know, at many levels, that's become a problem. What would you say, Etienne? What would you be telling young men these days who are coming up? I'm actually pretty hopeful and positive about these young men. I've seen amazing souls come up, very, very young, uh, who are clients of mine doing this King Hero work, doing very deep mm -hmm. reflection, starting to assume responsibility for things they shouldn't even have to assume responsibility for. What kind of guidance do you give them right now to move into leadership if they've got that in them? Turn off the television. 
So the, the media is being used as, as a, it's a weaponized system to distract and deceive you and drag the population morally through the dirt because it's much easier to rule a, uh, a corrupt, immoral, um, decadent population than it is to, to rule those that are up, upstanding, getting up early and, and doing, you know, doing the hard work of, of, um, uh, of building the economy and building their family and building everything else. Um, also, the, the, the relationships that between men and women are artificial. Uh, what you ought to be eating, like if you, if you were only to watch TV and understand like what, you know, like what should you put in your body, you're going to quickly realize that beer and potato chips and Taco Bell are, you know, these are not, these are, these are, you know, this is, this is, these are poisons that are being, you know, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, these are, you're being poisoned. You're literally, literally being poisoned and you, you're not going to really, you're going to think because that's your main, you know, input in a kind of Plato's cave and Plato's allegory of the cave. Um, the, uh, the, you know, there were prisoners, they're trapped deep in a cave behind the prisoners. There's a fire in between the, the fire and the prisoners is a walkway and puppeteers go and they cast these shadows on the cave wall. And that's all that the prisoners grew up knowing is the shadow play. And when one prisoner escapes to tell, you know, get, get outside the cave and realize there's sun and there's people and there's all this going on and he goes back in the cave and tells them, they have no, they, they, this all sounds far, you know, fantastical because all they've ever known is the shadow play. And that is, when people that are getting their news and their information and, and figuring out how to treat men and women and their colleagues, if they're getting that from the television, if they're getting it from pornography, if they're getting it from advertising, if they're getting it from any of the ways that have been designed to hijack your attention long enough to show you a commercial, usually for something that's harmful to you, poisonous to you, a pharmaceutical that you really don't want to be taking, you really don't need. Um, you know, that is, that, that view of the world is going to be un unhealthy. It's going to be toxic. Um, you're not going to have a good relationship with your girlfriend. You're not going to have a girlfriend. You're, you, you know, you're, 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 um, You've got to turn off the television. That's the number one thing is, is you got to understand that that system being wielded against you to drag your morality through the mud and to, to sell the legitimacy of the system. And so that's really the hidden message of television. Every channel you turn, it's legitimate that we get to rule you. It's legitimate that we get to rule you. It's legitimate that we get to rule you. And what I do in my book, uh, Government, the Biggest Scam of History, uh, exposed is actually show you how the media is has been monopolized and is being run as a cartel um, by the same people that are profiting from the current government fractional reserve banking monopoly money system that is that that is literally impoverishing them and now is you know driving fear and is destroying their economy, their jobs, and their neighborhoods right in front of their faces. 
Yes, sir. Uh, I like that you're using that word shadow play and it immediately a, a major subject, the, the big subject that I'm working with day in and day out with clients is around purpose. And to me, that is exactly what we suffer is that the shadow play has no substance. It is, uh, there's, there's no food for actual growth or expansion or, you know, gaining skills and mastery in the world. It's all uh, utterly purposeless. And so we are ultimately starving, but it's, it, I love your advice, turn off the TV because the, the tendency with addiction is to keep going back to the thing that is empty. That's, that becomes like it's a, an automation. You keep going back to the thing that's empty to in, in the hopes, oh, this time it's going to fill me up. This time it's going to make me feel better. And, and it just doesn't, at some point you need to bail on that system and start turning towards some real food, real purpose. So that's, that's fabulous advice. Um, one thing I, I want to it's mention. Not that it's not just the TV. It's also, it's the video games. It's the gaming. It's the smartphone. Um, uh, it's how can I waste your time? To where you're focused on anything but understanding how you're getting ripped off and chumped. And that really is the sadness, is that most people spend their lives amusing themselves to death as organized crime is robbing them and their family and their friends and neighbors of half of their income and, and keeping them in you know, poverty through this weaponized you know, uh, you know, um, economic warfare. It's economic warfare is being waged against the American people and they're spending their time, you know, uh, uh, staring at a piece of furniture. It's, it's sad. And yeah. And that's actually the real value of life is the time that they have on this earth. And so you nailed it that the waste of time, whether it's games or videos or any kind of distraction away from your purpose on earth, then that is, that is a definition of evil. So um, I just wanted to share with you one thing I was, I was kind of proud of that, you know, it, we take it for granted that we must follow when the government says do this, nobody even questions, should I do this, especially in Canada, I have to say. And so I was returning home from an Acapulco after meeting several voluntarians and libertarians and, and people who are going like, mm, I think there might be more choices than you think. And I, I came home going through Canadian Customs, they have new cameras now. And these cameras, they really seem to be scanners. The, the light goes off for 10 seconds in a row, which no flash needs to go for 10 seconds in a row. If you look away because it's so uncomfortable, the arrows on the screen drag your eyes up and will not let you out of the kiosk until you get the full blast of 10 seconds. And so coming back this time, I'm, I'm, I've got anxiety about this machine. It's like, I don't want to go through this machine. I don't want to go through it. So I just said to myself, fuck it. I'm going to go ask. And I just, I went up to the, the officer and I said, that machine gives me a, a headache. I'd prefer not to go in. And uh, he's like, oh, no problem. Just go right up front and talk to the, the officer at the, at the front of the line. And I'm like, huh? Okay, that's, that's good. And then the second time I was in Mexico again, and I came back, tried it again with my kid. It was the same thing. This time when we went up to the officer, she's like, oh my God, I'm so glad to see you here. 
my job is uh, endangered right now due to those machines. So how was your holiday? Great to see you kind of things, right? So that was just, uh, and then I come away thinking, what else do we not have to agree to that we take for granted? So I, uh, I was coming through customs in London one time and um, I, I asked the guy, you know, one of the, the customs, the English customs agents, I said, you know, what, ha what happens if you arrive here and you're not the tax slave of some country, you don't have a passport, you live on an island and you don't, you're, you know, you don't owe your allegiance to anybody else. And he's like, we arrest you. And so that's the level of insanity that they're the you know the cruel you know the, the stupidity the ignorance the that you have to be somebody's tax slave that you can't be a free human being that just lives on this planet you know because they don't want anybody to know that you don't need government that it's a scam that it's a that that we're robbing you we're living off your we're ta your tax money like parasites. And so if you show up and you're not somebody's tax slave, they're going to arrest you because they don't want people to know that we don't need government. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very well said. So I encourage you to go and find Etienne's book on your website, I assume. Do you want to say the URL? It is this government-scam.com. Um, uh, the biggest scam in history exposed is backed up by something we call Liberator Flash Drive. It is a credit card-sized flash drive that has either I've got an 8 gig or a 16 gig version that, that includes all of the Monopoly media, uh, ownership charts and the uh, the visualizations that make the previously hidden connections between the uh, the media and the bankers front companies uh, visible and ba and backs up uh, everything in the book. I've got MP3s, podcasts, documentaries, short videos, books on PDF, dank liberty memes, truth music. Uh, the book and the uh, the flash drive. I've got a deal if you buy them together. Um, it's exactly even and even if you know all of this, this book, I didn't write it for you. I wrote it to to for your friends and your neighbors and your loved ones. It's designed to take somebody from zero to 60. Uh, I'm leveraging the fact that most people are visual learners and they learn quicker and faster when they see, you know, a media ownership chart or a visualization. Um, and I'm also leveraging the fact that most people are pattern recognition or fantastic pattern recognition machines. And when you see that the U.S. is using the exact same techniques as the Nazis, the exact same techniques as the Soviet Union, the exact same techniques as the East German, with your own eyes, you can't unsee it and you come to this kind of deeper understanding. And so, uh, so that's really, you know, what I'm trying to do is trying to take somebody that is, that is new to this information and get them from zero to 60 and then back everything up with documents uh, on uh, a flash drive that can go into your wallet. And then you can, you know, just have your friends download it. They can create your own flash drive. I encourage anybody, anybody can download the files for free from our drop, from our Dropbox on government-scam.com and create their own liberators and give them to their friends and family. And so they may censor us on CIA and Google. They may censor us on, on Fedbook. 
but they can't get around, you know, you handing a flash drive or a book to a friend or a family member. So if you want to get, you know, around the censorship, I've got a way to get around the censorship. And so, uh, so that's the, the that's my message: government-scam.com. Government-scam.com. Just to repeat that, that's awesome. So you just said the words CIA, and I heard you tell an amazing story on stage at Anarchapoco about that. Do you want to lay that one on us as the last thing that we'll talk about? Yeah. Well, I I told the story. Uh, I told the story. Well, on the flash drive the liberator, we have a number of different articles uh, exposing the fact that that Google is the CIA. So one of them is called "How How the CIA Made Google," and it goes into the specific DARPA Defense Advanced Research Project uh, Agency programs that Google came out of, the funding, and and so the name of the game really is controlling perception. And on the old media side, it's six monopoly media companies running hundreds and hundreds of subsidiaries to give you the illusion of choice. And then on the new media internet side, you know, they had the internet way before we did. They knew how it was going to come out. They'd already wargamed it the same way they wargamed COVID-19 before they released COVID-19 to know how it was going to play out. So they knew they had to dominate, you know, search, social media, uh, book buying and selling, retail. And so, uh, you know, the you know, in my book, I expose the 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 funny haha of Amazon is if you spin the Z, it spells a Mason. You can get anything you want from a Mason in two days with free shipping. And so, these are organized crime front companies that have been funded with unlimited fractional reserve dollars by the crooked banks on Wall Street to dominate and control their own little niche in the information, you know, uh, uh, an online story that I told on stage at Anarchapulco is, uh, is the continuation of a speech that you can find online. The, the, the Anarchapulco speech isn't, but a speech I gave at Anarchadelphia in Philadelphia um, uh, earlier this year um, called The Biggest Secret of the Secret Service how they know it's organized crime. I told this, I told uh, the biggest secret of the Secret Service that one you can get on YouTube. And not only do they know it's organized crime, uh, but um, uh, I tried to drop off a couple of books to them uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they arrested me for it. And so now I'm facing arrest in the United States for the, uh, a victimless crime of uh, when I went and ID, they began looking in my car to see if they could arrest me for anything. And, and um, I'm a target shooter and I had a couple of, uh, of rounds of, of ammunition, of loose ammunition in, my, in a cup holder. And, and once they saw that, they arrested me for the victimless crime of having an arrest. Didn't have a gun in the car, didn't have any ill intent. I'm a volunteerist, I don't believe in violence. I believe in something called the non-aggression principle. And so they arrested me and now are threatening me with jail. And this is just one of the ways that government can silence uh, critics like me um, is, you know, arresting you for victimless crimes, trumped up charges, uh, selectively enforcing. Anybody can be arrested for anything in the United States. And then that's how organized crime government holds, uh, you know, that weapon up against the American people. 
but if you want to see, uh, you know, if you want to see uh, until the Anarchapulco video gets posted, just search for the biggest secret of the Secret Service. They know government is organized crime and get it quick before they take it down. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you for sharing that. It's uh, really powerful work that you're doing. Incredibly courageous. I know that, uh, you know, right now you're feeling trapped there and I send all the blessings and prayers your way to have the freedom to spread this message and be a leader in these times that the need for that has gone way up, no pressure. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for the work that you do. I mean, you're, you're part of this truth movement uh, just as much as I am. We're all in it together. We're going to win this thing. If you're watching this, you are the resistance. Get active or get radioactive. Um, it's so easy. I, I, you know, any, all you got to do is uh, go to government-scam.com, download the Liberator, give it to a friend, and you are in the fight. Uh, make it easy to resist. Mm, beautiful. Amen to that. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this interview. Once again, please do visit the website, government-scam.org. Did I get that right? Government-scam.com. Com. Okay, excellent. And uh, if also, if you're interested in pursuing leadership to a greater extent, or maybe you would like to survive leadership, you're one of those king heroes that is crashing and falling down, which is often the case, please do knock on my door. I uh, have an application to work with me one-on-one -on -one for a zero-cost session where we can see if it's a fit to actually work together. Uh, also, in 10 minutes, at no cost as well, you can find out where you are on the path of purpose and have a reading of your king hero archetype. There's another version for the women out there. I call them the merpreneurs, the mermaids in my zone. And just by answering some questions, you'll get a sense of where you are on the hero's journey that shows you what your your challenges are right now, what you have to work on, where you can reclaim your energy, what your gifts are, and where you're headed on the journey. So it's a map of consciousness. Uh, this leads me to the final thing to let you know that my book Journey is out now. It is a map of, of archetypes to find lost purpose in a sea of meaninglessness because it's purpose that I, in my books is going to save us all. If we have purpose like Etienne does, then nothing and no one can stop us. So God bless you for your um, presence today, Etienne. Thank you to the leaders and uh, to the audience that is out there watching and listening and uh, stay tuned for more King Hero interviews. Please do share and like this, pass it on to your friends. Bye for now.
Can take